Hey listeners, the Radius Missiology Conference is coming up in June at Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina. Now we'll be there live podcasting like always, like we did last year, and we're excited for you to join us. We're giving away five live tickets for the event and also five live stream passes. That's an expensive value, especially for those live tickets. And we want to invite you to be a part of this event. They're just as serious about missiology as we are. As you know, we've talked about Radius International on the show a lot before. You can sign up for our giveaway. Go to missionspodcast.com slash radius22. That's missionspodcast.com slash radius22. And all you've got to do is drop your name and your email, and we'll let you know if you're the winner of one of five free live tickets or five free live streaming passes. We're excited to see you there, and thank you for your support of the show. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media for ABWE. Normally, I'm joined here by Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. But we want to do something a little bit different this week. First of all, if you're watching by video, you've noticed that we're in our new studio. Please pray for us. We're excited. This is an awesome new time where we're looking forward to getting you more video content in the weeks and months ahead. And so if you're not watching by video, if you're just listening to the audio podcast, go ahead over to our YouTube channel. That's the ABWE YouTube channel. Or go to the Missions Podcast Facebook page to watch this in video format. We think you'll be excited. We're excited for this opportunity. But more to the point, today we want to present to you something that's different, and yet it's very much on theme with helping goers think and thinkers go. Josh Tice is a friend of the show. He's been on the Missions Podcast a couple of times before. He's a pastor, pastor of Southern Hills Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he's also host of the Idea Talks podcast, part of the Idea Network ministry that's bringing together churches with ideas for how to reach their communities and grow their churches. Well, he recently had me on as a guest, as well as ABWE missionary Jim Childs. Jim Childs spent about 30 years in a gay lifestyle until he came back to Christ. And now he spends his time ministering to others in the U.S., showing them how they can reach individuals within the LGBT community with gospel truth in a way that doesn't compromise, but also in a way that wins the person, not just the argument. Well, he had both of us on the podcast, and this month is the month of June. It's Pride Month. It's hard to ignore. We're engaged in the culture war, trying to win the lost. We're also experiencing a moral revolution. How do we deal with these things, and how do we continue to be evangelistic, and how do we address these issues in our churches where, frankly, a lot of our churches haven't been willing historically to talk about gender, to talk about marriage, to talk about so many of these practical issues that inform the issues in front of us today. So we want to bring you that episode instead of a normal missions podcast interview. We're going to switch over to that in just a moment. We hope you enjoy it. Send any feedback that you have to alex at missionspodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. To learn more about Every Ethne, you can go to everyethne.church. That's the division of ABWE that Jim Childs is serving under, and we're excited to be in partnership with them as well. And remember that if this episode is a blessing to you, you can share it with a friend. You can also leave a positive review and rating in your podcast platform of choice. Well, enough introduction. Let's get into today's special presentation of the Idea Talks podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Idea Talks. Thanks so much for your time and stopping by today. On today's topic, we're joined by three people in the room. Uh, normally, this is my one of my first podcasts without the Joshua Tice. So I'm joined by the person who runs the entire Idea Network. That is Kylie Dulo. Hi, Kylie. It's good to see you. 
Hello, hello. I'm also jo- joined by Alex Kochman of ABWE. Alex, you want to say hello to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hello to our audience. Uh, I serve with ABWE as Director of Advancement and Communications, and so oversee our, our magazine, our website, everything that we put out on our blog, as well as our podcast, Missions Podcast, every Sunday night on your podcast app of choice. Good to be here. Also a published esteemed author as well. Yeah, that's true. Missions by the Book, co-written with Chad Vegas, came out at the beginning of 2022. And so that's also available from Founders Ministries, talking about theology and missions and how those two should go together rather than being opposed to each other, which unfortunately happens all too often. And so we're excited to have that resource available too. And and uh, for the direction ABWE is going and, and being able to help goers think and thinkers go. That's awesome. Thanks, Alex. We're uh, welcome to have you on the podcast again. Uh, and last but not least, certainly our, our guest of honor is coming to us from sunny Sarasota, Florida. That is Mr. Jim Childs. Jim, you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a missionary with ABWE's Every Ethnic Ministry. We are a, um, we, our mission is to come alongside the local church hmm. to equip the average believer to reach unreached people groups within the community of the church. That's the main goal. We have several tools to do that. The uh, tool that I'm involved with is called Heart, Mind, and Soul Seminar. And the people group that I'm involved in trying to help reach is the uh, LGBTQ community people within that. So the goal for the seminar is to equip the average person in the pew to build grace and truth relationships with that unbelieving LGBTQ individual in their lives. That is the centerpiece of the ministry that I get to lead. The other pieces of the puzzle there, that then leads and opens doors to other aspects of ministry. I have a ministry called Breakthrough that allows me to walk with, be a bridge and be a bridge community to people coming from the LGBTQ community into a church community as they find their faith and deepen their faith. It also allows me to minister to families and speak into do pastors workshops and leadership mm. uh, to help them understand as a church, how shall we be within this community? A little goat, which allows me to go deeper than, than a five hour seminar even, which is delved in, you know, focuses on the average person in the pew. So that's sort of the multi-tiered uh, pieces of it. The reason that I'm part of this, I'll just, will we'll tell you this, is I have a history of being in the gay community and identifying as homosexual for uh, 30 years. God rescued me from that over 12 years ago when I came to the Lord. And he has not only transformed my heart and my mind, my desires, everything. And I, my desire is to help others be set free from that. I know what it's like to be on that side of it, to look at Christians. And I know what we, uh, what we as believers <laughs> look like yeah. to the other side. So I get to bring a, a unique perspective in that. We appreciate you sharing just a little bit about that. And we look forward to hearing more, uh, not only about yourself, but also the ministry that you have. Um, you know, on the idea talks, we have talked a little bit about every ethne before. If you go back and listen to episode 124, um, we interviewed uh, somebody from AWE there and we talked a little bit about their your ministry. Um, but this is, again, a branch of that that we're looking forward to hearing today. Um, as Jim alluded to, the title of the podcast today is How to Engage the LGBTQ Plus Community. And we're going to really be trying to build a case for why this is important for ministry leaders, pastors, individuals, um, or to Jim's point, any Christians that are out there wanting to try to help um, this vital community that's in there. But Kylie, uh, first, like why, um, before we get started, why is it so important that the church understand how to engage this community right now? So. 
we look forward into the future of church, the future of ministries, Christian evangelical ministries, we have to address the culture and what's going on in our community, in the world, especially in our immediate country's culture. And as we look at the stats that are coming out, currently 7.1% of Americans now identify as LGBTQ and 21% of, of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ. Now that that is across the board. So we're talking lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, all of that. So um, 21% of the upcoming generation is identifying as one of these alternative characteristics or um, identifications. And we have to be able to know how to reach them. We, in the, you know, in the past of looking at ministry, if you, if you were to plan a church in Utah, you would for sure study Mormonism and what they believe and, and how to, how to talk to them in a way that they would understand and make correlations uh, using their culture and their history. And so if we're looking at the future of evangelicalism, and we know that just this next generation of Gen Z, 21% of them are identifying uh, almost as a new religion type of LGBTQ, then we have to learn how, how do they think? Why do they think this way? How can we reach them? And we have to learn how, how to uh, address them and, um, and connect with them, how to engage with them and what the Bible says about that. So we're very excited today to hear from Jim uh, uh, from his own experience and, um, and from his leadership in this area of, of how we can do that better. Yeah. It's a staggering stat, you know, 21% of Gen Z, if you think about that's one in every four people. Um, and I think about, I have, uh, my oldest is eight, right? So that's going to be the people that she looks up to in high school. That's going to be, be the people that are the most influential over her. And she's going to be asking me questions. I can't just have my head in the sand and say like, no, it's just going to pass. Right. Um, so it's a good thing to, um, engage with. So Jim, what are, what are your thoughts here? Why is it important for the church to understand how to engage this community? The, the quick answer is souls are at stake online. Um, we have a responsibility as Christ followers and, and a pleasure actually of sharing the gospel with everyone that we, that we come in contact with. The problem that has been produced here from these, this identification of LGBTQ is it seems to be a barrier. It seems to be thrown up as a smokescreen, as an actual barrier for even conversation, gospel conversations to people. So for me, the, the idea that that many people are identifying, it also shows that there's a language issue, there's a definition issue as well. So not everybody that identify, say they identify as lesbian or gay are necessarily same-sex attracted. It simply means they identify with that community and the ideology thereof. Most often, if you go into the purity of the ideology, the purity of the activism, uh, it is something that's anti-Christian values. For us to understand that is not to point fingers. For us to understand that is that how then shall we speak? How then how do we reach out? And that's the vital point of it, to understand where people are and to understand that there is a movement, there is a community, but there are the individuals that we need to get to know. So if we understand where their influences are, it can help us then to, to meet them in a place as we're sharing the gospel that will help them understand and kind of break down those barriers a bit. Jim, let me ask you a question. Um, 
I think you introduced a helpful distinction there, which is the distinction between the activists and then those that simply affiliate with one of those groups. What do you think that breakdown is? Um, I, I think for us as outsiders in many ways, as, as Bible-believing evangelicals, we look and it kind of all looks like activists, and, and yet there there is a, a subgroup in there, and it's it's probably not even the majority. What, what would you say that ratio is, roughly? Um, oh, my goodness. I'd say it was the activism political movement is probably 10 to 15 percent. Everybody else is trying to live their life. Basically, our neighbor, our friend, we may. So, for instance, uh, if I have a next door neighbor who is in a who identifies as, as gay and they are in a relationship, uh, even a, a legal marriage. They may ascribe to some of the belief in the ideology, but it doesn't mean they are pushing for any kind of special rights. They simply want to live life. I'll take it to a personal level. When uh, as I was living in a gay, gay lifestyle, I actually felt that I needed I, I didn't push for politically any any rights, but I did feel threatened. So I adopted some of the ideology. What I felt threatened about was that the life that I had chosen to live was going to be pushed against by any other. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't discriminated against. And I pulled on this victim mentality. I am, I felt that as so many happens that as, as a gay male, I was being victimized and oppressed by culture. Therefore, I needed to have special protections. Uh, and the church was the main oppressor identified in that from is continuing beyond all of the rights and privileges and, and uh, legislation is still the overarching narrative being pushed. So you have the political movement, you have the activism, which comes from people who are just driven to be activists anyway, to uh, people who have now taken on a cause celeb, so to speak, who said, we see an oppressed people, group of people, class of person that we must protect. That then filters down into the average person that's in our neighborhoods that our churches want to reach, who have varying layers of belief systems in there. And it's up to us not to say, I'm angry at, because we tend to get angry at the movement, right? The, the things that are happening. So the idea is don't automatically ascribe that individual, that that individual believes all of that and wants the same things. That's why it takes the point of getting to know the individual. Yeah, so it sounds like you're addressing a, a vital characteristic of, of both sides, to be honest, Jim, and that's the level of fear, right? I think about, you know, on the Christian side, if you take it a very far away, you're like, um, maybe they don't want to engage that community for fear of trying to indoctrinate their kids, right? Um, and on the other side of the, of the equation, the LGBTQ community has a level of fear of saying, like, you're going to take away my rights that, you know, I don't want to be militant about it, but I just don't want my rights taken away. Is that kind of what you're saying? It is. It is. And fear is a good basis for that. Fear and uh, lack of, of understanding uh, or um, understanding of what can happen. So, for instance, um, I might be afraid to engage that neighbor now or even that friend or that person because there's this the narrative has become any disagreement becomes harmful. He just and, and as Christians, we don't want to hurt hurt people, and we don't understand that. So even parents are up against that with their young children. They're told it's harmful not to embrace the even the uh, the idea that their their young child brings up to them. That, hey, I think I'm, you know, mom and dad, I'm gay, and and it immediately 
parents are told you must immediately embrace that and take them without even knowing or understanding what that's about or helping the child explore. Well, what is that about? Because the fear, the narrative is that anything against that is going to lead them to suicide and a parent can't have a chance. Right. And that, that honestly is an answer that's being pushed. Can I, can I ask you another question, Jim? Uh, I, I was a youth pastor. And um, so we've been talking about young people in particular and I think that's interesting. And we, we talked about the Gallup poll at the beginning of this. It's showing uh, that it, it's the phenomenon of LGBTQ identification is massively increasing as you skew younger and younger. Uh, yet I know, and I think you know from pastoral ministry as well, uh, and, and you said it earlier, that they're identifying with a group. They're not necessarily sexually attracted in a particular way. Uh, I had instances of, of students that I was working with that were identifying a particular way, uh, who I also happened to know, they, they weren't sexually active at all. Uh, many of them were, were far too young to even fully understand half of that, um, to be honest. A lot of it had to do with what they were exposed to through social media. So how do you as a pastor approach that? And, and what did you mean earlier when you mentioned, yeah, they're identifying with the group, not, and that's not even necessarily the same as what their actual desires and inclinations are. Sure. And, and I'll tell you, I'm going to start a great question. The, from, from a pastor standpoint, it's one more thing to understand a bit better, right? Here's the thing that we have to understand. We have to agree with and understand what does God say and what God says about this is much more than six different separate verses. And that's all. There's a whole narrative throughout scripture that, that gives us a bigger picture of God's mankind. That's where we need to teach. That's what we have. And, and God's plan for mankind includes God's design to, he designed us for a relationship with him to fulfill his purposes on earth. Right. And it's, and, he knows what helps to flourish. He knows what's going to be best for us. He gave us the guidelines so that we can have that. We're not teaching it from that angle and we're losing people because they're thinking it's a set of rules that we're trying to, to legislate or to uh, push down the throat. So from a pastoral standpoint, it's, it's, it's a delivery, if you will, an understanding. And then there's the understanding of what, um, what does that person let's let's use an example here what is that uh teenage girl who's coming into youth group and saying i want to be identified as a boy now um what is the response the response is let's talk let's have a conversation we must not assume we know what they mean when they say i identify as another gender or identify as non-binary or let's talk let's have these conversations first and foremost check into the do a spiritual check-in as well where are you spiritually see there's this this authority that's even bigger than the youth pastor or the church pastor or parents. And that's called the internet. So what's the trend now is to go when, when a person feels any kind of confusion and who doesn't at teenage years, they're going to go right to the internet and the internet jumps into it. Here's a test to take. Well, where do you follow? Well, you must be uh, transgender. Oh, listen, you probably feel out of place. So come join this online community, so to speak. So they start getting strengthened by anonymously in a sense of uh, there's, there's the shield of the Internet between them. And they don't know really who they're talking to who are actually leading them to believe this more about themselves and then give them narrative to how to approach parents, friends, things like that. I've seen a very interesting trend, mostly on, on in youth 
from several parents who said, I want to say probably eight stories of this. that are homeschool parents who caused, you know, my son or daughter has now declared to me that they are gay or they are lesbian or they are uh, non-binary, which means they're not sure, but they're not going to label and identify either way. And as I'm after about the third time or third parent from different parts of the country, I could almost finish the story. It's they were raised in church. They were raised, they were active in church. They, in the youth group and to whatever level of degree or degree that their church could do. And the kid would then first start saying, mom and dad, I think I'm questioning. I want to question my faith a little bit uh, in some level. I want to know, is it my faith or is it yours that I'm ascribing to? They start working through that. Then they change a political alliance. Uh, if they've been conservative, they're going more toward a liberal political stance and, and, and testing that out. And they're declaring this to their parents and the next level, all of a sudden they are saying, mom and dad, by the way, I am gay or I am trans. So what I guess I'm saying is that we have to ask the right questions. We have to ask questions. We have to understand rather than correcting that kid who says I am gay, we have to say, tell me about that. What does that mean? You identify as LGBT. What does that mean in your heart and mind to you? The LGBT is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and then the Q, of course, queer questioning. And there's pluses, but that's not very commonly used anymore. The idea is used to mean, uh, used to be defined by simply a same-sex attraction or romantic attraction. And that has broadened a bit to identifying with a, a cause or a, a, a group among teenagers, especially it is that, and, and this young Gen Z piece, it, it's, I want to identify and fit in somewhere. And I identify with the underdog and they seem to be the underdogs, but look at also, they're the underdogs who are becoming heroes. They're becoming, they're being celebrated. So I want to identify there. And, and I don't really care about the attractions I have or anything else. It's more about identifying with my friends and being part of a group. So that's a, that's a big, I believe, a big part of the number increase. And that point right there of what you just mentioned is what I think is the biggest draw to this whole thing. It's, it's not the LGBTQ activist group. It's not a, a religion. It's a community. And they've branded themselves very wisely that way, because what do young people want more than anything? They want community. They want to fit in somewhere. And unfortunately, sometimes at church, the message that we're given is you have to do X, Y, and Z to be a good Christian, to fit in. And some of those things are unspoken and some of them are, are, are communicated through sermons. Um, but especially in the youth group, you know, there's, there's the good teens and there's the bad teens. And, um, when the, the new teenager, even a teenager who's in there, they don't feel like they fit in. They, they, they desperately need to fit in somewhere. And here they're, they're really presented with a choice of here's how you fit in at church. And if you want to fit in with this community, the LGBTQ community, you can be anything. There's no rules. You, you could, you can non-binary. It doesn't it, questioning, you know, it, you almost don't even have to know what you are. Um, you can even just say, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about that, <laughs> you know, but I'm in this community. Um, and people respect that. Um, and that's, you know, in the church, we need to have, we need to communicate, um, these, what the Bible says about 
sexual identification and identity in Christ. But maybe sometimes how we're communicating that and how we're presenting the church community that almost maybe pushes some people away. Um, Jim, how can the church or even the youth pastor specifically truly partner with parents with discussing transgender um, issues or gender dysphoria or identification issues with the parents? I think it's to the level, great question and and good points that you made. Um, The best way that a youth, first of all, I, I say we have to equip our youth pastors because they're part of the same generation and they've been exposed to the same cultural piece. So while they may adhere to the biblical, uh, ethic, they still may have the same questions. So the biggest thing that I hear from you is when I speak at youth groups are, is okay. The, the, I know what Bible says. They've, I've been told that, but I don't know why, why is this sin? And you know, I, I wanted to say, well, because God said so, and that's not apparently good enough. So we need to go a little deeper and see, and it, it makes sense. They're, they want to know, give me something to grab hold of. And I think the idea there is we need to start with equipping our youth pastors and our pastors to say, why did God say, well, I just mentioned that it's because of his love, his guidance and and our protection. We tend to go for, as a good Christian, you will uh, follow these rules. And, And there's not, that's not untrue. There is the thing that we have to, you know, but it's, it's about heart change. It's about heart posturing. And so I, the biggest first step is to partner with youth pastors and church leadership, the other church leadership, so that they're all, I want to say, uh, they're equal, they're equipped, that that it's, they're consistent, because in some churches, you can go to any staff, four different staff members, you get four different answers about what the belief is in that church, because there's not a cohesive piece of it. So I think first and foremost, we get, we do that, we equip the youth pastor, then how do you partner with parents? Training beforehand. The guy, the thing that we, I think we're lacking is parents are busy. There's right guys. I mean, you you have little ones. You're just always going and who has time to sit to and through another uh, teaching, another understanding. But I think if we have built this in of pay parents, your kids are being hit this at nine and 10 years old, they're starting to say, I am gay. I am trans it, 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 even younger than that. So if we can, can equip the parents by offering, uh, tangible belief systems. That's what I think. That's how we partner best. And then walk with them. We don't shame them. I get parents who are, I'm sorry, I I get parents who are, I have 27 families represented on two Zoom groups that are parent groups, uh, parents who who are parents of adults who are identifying as lesbian or gay. And they are, they come together because they went to their church and they didn't get anything. They didn't get response. They didn't get care. They got almost shame, like, oh, Gladys, not my problem. Or, wow, we'll be praying for you. Um, so the church isn't equipped and how we can do that is to learn. Alex, I'm sorry, you were. No, no, not at all. Din, this is really good and helpful. And we talked a couple of times about part of this equipping is we need to know what scripture says about it. And, and you said something that I love, Jim, it, it, you know, there's the six kind of clobber passages that make it very clear um, what, what God expects, but then there's, um, and I, I throw clobber passages in scare quotes there, because that's sort of how they're characterized by others, but clear teaching in scripture 
Um, and then there's also all of what scripture says just about who we are in general. Help, help us understand a little bit of that. I think the reason that these busy parents, these youth pastors, young people are struggling uh, not only to know what scripture says, but to, to really grasp what scripture says uh, is because of all the foundational levels of, of, of assumptions. And I, and I think one of those is just the, the idea of identity itself. We all, whether heterosexual or, or, or otherwise, uh, kind of have this cultural assumption that that I determine my own identity um, rather than that it's given to me by a creator, that reality is determined outside of myself, that the nature of being a man, of being a woman, of being created in that way uh, is something that I actually don't get to define at all, that that all of created reality in my life is is a gift, right? And there's a difference between the creator and the creation and, and the, the creation doesn't get to create itself, uh, but it's it's that deep. Those are fundamental assumptions, right? Because all of our media tells us that we can invent ourselves in a particular way. So when you work with people and you're unpacking, hey, here's what scripture says, you know, what is it that you emphasize? Because I, I think you mentioned that uh, people tend to view these edicts scripturally as, as just that they're arbitrary rules. And yet you want to show it's not arbitrary. It's because of who we are as creatures. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I try to take them through and I don't, I don't go, I don't do a Bible study of this. What I, I do talk about is because I'm usually talking to Christians who do have an understanding of God, the creator, just what you said, Alex, that God, the creator who, who gives us identity, which is actually at birth, uh, at least male or female. Right. And then, and race, those are, those are sort of fixed identities that God has created in us. Narrative in scripture then would tell us that that is immutable that you are male and female. And, and then science tells us chromosomally, right? So physically it, it, it's there. Um, so we have to, that's where, that's where Bible and, and science can come together and even activism, that's, that part of it is, is so true. Then throughout scripture, we have examples of, first of all, God's creation, the foundation of the world and why he created man, man and woman, male and female, and the complementarism that comes between the differences of masculinity and femininity and what that produces. Now, I don't, obviously it's, it's, uh, you know, marriage is, is an image of the Christ and the, the bride of Christ being the church. And there, that's sort of a physical manifestation, but it's also how man and male and female are just designed it in the core of being complementary. So the woman calls out a masculinity in a man that only helps him to accomplish God's purposes. He calls out the same with a woman. Uh, differences, differences, but calls out the femininity that actually gets to God's design and what his purposes are. See, we, we, we put too much on human importance on, on our human sort of desires and, and actions. We're born into a into a fallen world. We have to realize that. We have to realize that we have a fallen sinful nature that we're born into that was not God's design, but Adam and Eve made choices that, that led us here. So we have to realize that. But at the end of the day, God's purposes for us are the same. And we have scripture passages, not on just this topic. Now, here's where, here's where the confusion, the rebuttal begins to come in. When there is the argument that people are born into this world as gay, as transgender, and of course, I, I spoke that myself over the years so many times because I needed to have that knowledge that I couldn't help it, that it was uh, totally 
designed in me. Um, and I, so I embrace that argument, but it really falls apart when you look at scripture. So for the Christ follower, you look at God's design, God's creation throughout scripture, homosexuality, for instance, is, is only spoken of as an action. It's never as an identity, it's an action or an experience. God, nowhere does in scripture, does it indicate that we were designed with anything that has to do with same-sex attraction. It does talk about lust. It does talk about those pieces of the puzzle that in the fallen world. So homosexuality, as described in the Bible, is an action of male and male physicality. When we start saying that we are born into a, a feeling of gay, for instance, there's nothing, no scientific evidence of that. There's no biblical evidence of that. We, when we start buying it, but the, the pastor, average pastor, heard, has heard so much from people in the gay community because they say, I can't help this. I would never choose this, which is so true. And we're not saying that you chose any of it, but our experiences to our, our, our responses to experiences at such a developmental young age that leads people to this, this, uh, these attractions, which are very real, but they're not immutable. They're developed. They're, they're, uh, and they're, they're not developed intentionally, but they're developed. So if it's a true transgender individual, truly same-sex attractive individual, where I, when I'm working with people, one of my first things is, tell me your identity. Are you you're a Christ follower? Great. Tell me more. Well, I'm gay. Okay. Are you? Or are you same-sex attracted? Would you rather, how about if we talk about this, find your identity, separate that out from your identity. We are, are buying into the lie that, that actually Freud began and, and right. stuff, right? That, that we're, we're core, our core is sexual beings. And that's not what scripture teaches about us. That is not who our core is. So it's, we are people, individuals, and, and if we're Christians, we're Christ followers, but we're individuals who experience attractions. Yeah. It was never intended to be. Our core. I, I think you brought up a, a lot of, of good things, Jim. Specifically, I think um, the importance of not shutting down the conversation as soon as it happens. I think to your point, if they, if a, if a youth member, you know, comes out as identifying with one of these groups and they automatically they shut down the conversation or they get shamed. To your point, where else are they going to go? The internet, right? Um, yeah. I'll draw a parallel. Like, there's a very prominent YouTuber that. Um, recently came out as transgender and the, the verbiage that they used was very interesting. And they said, I was, I was born wrong. In other words, I was born, um, as a man, right. And that was wrong. I'm, I'm actually a woman. So I'm going to go through gender transforming therapy, um, and the different, you know, surgeries that go along with that. Right. And I think I've tried to think in my own mind, what's the strongest argument against that, right? And you've you made a lot of great points, but I think um, trying to affirm that there is a creator, right? There's a lot that we have to get people to, to get them to that assumption. And then that they were made perfect, right? That's what they talked about um, in Jeremiah, right? You're, I formed you in the room, like exactly how you were supposed to come out, you're perfect. And I think about trying to affirm that there is an intelligent design, that there, that there is an authority, right? And that God had a purpose for each individual person. Um, I know that's, I've thought a lot about my own life. Like if that's going to be brought up with my own kids, that's how I'm going to start the conversation at least. Um, but your points try not to just shut it down and automatically and start to ask, well, what do you mean by that? And to separate actions from identity. I think that's really important. It's almost as if we've taken the American dream a little too far. 
you know, the American dream. You can be anything you want to be. Just you come to America and you can, yeah. you can, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. what your status is. You can make your own life. And now we're saying you can make your own identity and uh, you can change anything about you. It doesn't matter if you were born a, a man, you can become a woman. It's the, it's the true American dream. And it's interesting too, the, the true hunger for the very thing that God originally gave us. It's not enough for them to say, I feel homosexual or I am same sex attracted. They want to go deeper. They want to say, this is how I was born. This is who I am. They're, they're searching for that identity, that, that foundation that God gave them originally, but the devil took and, and twisted and skewed in their mind to make them believe that their original identity wasn't good enough. And it's, it just leads us back to the, the devil is the father of all lies. And, and he wants to completely eliminate what God has created. If I could just riff on one thing that you said real quick there, Drew, though, um, you kind of have to enter into someone's worldview and then critique it internally. Right. Uh, and, and that's kind of what you're doing and what you're saying. You're, you're entering in and say, okay, so you were supposed to be born a certain way and instead you were born this way and that was wrong. So there's a couple of categories you're already assuming there, Yet this idea of supposed to, okay. So, so there's, there's a creator or there, there's some sort mm. of, you know, standard yeah. there, there's a, yeah. there's a sovereign unfolding of history, right? There, there's objectivity there. And then you're saying that, that what happened was wrong and, you know, X was wrong and Y should have happened instead. So that's a moral judgment, right? You're saying that there is right and wrong. So where, mm. where are you getting mm. those standards? Cause what you've given me, is kind of the assumption that history is supposed to go a certain way because someone's in charge of it. And within history, things happen that are right and wrong. So yeah. you just granted me that someone's in control and that he determines yeah. right and wrong. So let's read his book. Oh, uh, yeah. That's good. That's a great point, Alex. Appreciate that. I, I think I wanted to say that um, it, it's so vital to, like you said, enter their world and enter their worldview with them without correcting them initially, especially when you talk about young people, because what the, the underlying issues at hand are what we must understand. And if they're not ready to hear God, mankind, sin, if they're not ready to hear that piece of it or understand or to grasp it because that sounds too uh parental so to speak it's more of the authoritative yeah it's it's which is not a bad thing but but you want to you want to keep the conversation going so simply speaking some certain things we really do need to understand where they how they landed on that thought process and let them express it as well as they can chances are they haven't thought about it as much as they'd like to think and and it just helps to as adults, as Christ followers, to understand where and why did they land on that so that then we can say, well, may I share another uh, point of view? And if from pastor standpoint, from, you know, we, we rush in to give the theological solution when they may not be ready to hear that quite yet. Because they're really, most of the time, what we get are people who are coming as a declaration, not a seeking of answers. And therefore we have to approach it in that way, knowing that they're declaring something. So how do we, how do we enter that? <laughs> and that's the point of getting to know and asking the questions and, and, and giving them, you know, respecting the fact that they do have the right with free will to believe this. So then therefore, how can we help them understand? How can we understand them? And help them understand that's nobody likes unsolicited advice. We have to get to know them 
yeah. and and at, almost get to them to the point where they ask us a question and and welcome the conversation. If we go in so strong and just say, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. (laughs) They're like, Mm. who are you? I didn't ask you for this advice. I don't care what the Bible says. Why should I listen? So getting to know them first, like uh, Jim, in your story with Doug, the Bible walk, the Bible on legs walking in. And eventually he shut the Bible and said, let me just get to know you. And you said in your, your testimony that that changed everything and was kind of the turning point of the conversation. So I want to transition the conversation a little bit. Um, we're going to go a little bit more practical here as we have been talking a lot about theory and how to approach the conversation. And, and now we want to try to get, uh, by no means, this is a comprehensive conversation. This is hopefully to try to whet your appetite and engage the community a little bit. Um, but I want to try to transition into some more practical things um, and try to get some advice here. So should the, the church consider learning the, their legal rights for things like selective hiring, preaching on what the Bible says about the LGBT community and counseling. What are, what are your thoughts there, Jim? Uh, I say, yes, we need to learn that uh, and then decide where that fits. Uh, there are, there are right now we are on the cusp, if you will. So I understand that we're not really being infringed upon yet by legally, legally. Now that kind the, the darts, the, the opposition comes from activism. The opposition comes from those who go into the pastor and, and say, my daughter just came out as gay. And I want you to affirm that my daughter is, is, is identifying as a boy. And I want him to be treated as such in the youth group. Um, and the pastor says, well, we can't do that. Here's why. And then they want to try to do a court case or something like that. That's not happening too much. And, in around the cities in municipalities around there are bills being introduced and some of them have these uh ordinances that talk about mostly it's right now um secular counselors who are licensed who can't speak against anything other than if if somebody comes and says i i have same-sex attraction i don't want it they they're supposed to then help them want it (laughs) not line it up with their biblical views, like anything that speaks against it being a natural thing. So there are these ordinances that will find the counselor or take a counselor's thing away. In Canada, that is expanded into the clergy. And Canada, I think, as I understand Canadian law, often enough, probably we have the same thing too. They'll, they'll put a law out there and so many of the pastors will not know until they cross the line if they've crossed the line. <laughs> because it's not that specific. So until somebody challenges it, they won't know exactly what the leather law is. I will say this, um, the what we preach, what we uh, teach must be biblical. I don't see how we can ever back down from that. But it would be wise to know if something's coming down the pike for, uh, you know, to, to encroach on that. And for this topic, we have to understand that we're talking about not a topic. We're talking about people that we are talking about individuals. What is God's purpose? What is God's heart? He wants to reach individuals to be reconciled with him. We're his ambassadors. How is the best and most effective way to do that? Is that always preaching a certain topic or is it actually getting your hands dirty and talking to people and individuals, things like that? So I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I I do think it's for for hiring purposes. It's absolutely uh, necessary and and intelligent because uh, churches Christian schools, especially those two are really being sort of challenged in, into that, right? I, I don't know, there's no legal precedent yet, but, or 
Yeah, it's been Jim. You made some Jim. You made some great points there. If I could add just one small thing, um, I have the privilege of serving with ABWE, which not only has every ethne in North America, but ABWE is a missions sending agency. One of the things that we do all the time is we assess risk, risk all over the world in places where we send workers. And so as we assess risk, one of the things that we've learned, and, and it it might seem fairly obvious, but this would be a good kind of action point, especially for pastors looking for ideas, right? The idea network, you know, thinking about ideas for, okay, how, how do I do this well, um, is, is realizing that at least where we're at right now, things could change culturally, things could change legally, but at least where we're at right now, um, there is um, the legal ability in the United States to say, we're a religious organization as a church or as a nonprofit, therefore, here's how we're going to hire or here's how we're going to not hire. However, that has to be in your foundational documents. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if your constitution, your founding charter, whatever documents you know, that, that your, your board or, or whatever your, your governing um, entity is there for your 501c3, if, if that's not specific in stating we are a Christian organization operating according to Christian principles, here are our expectations for people that would be affiliated with the organization. If that's not specific, then you're not protected because then the accusation that you're being discriminatory, you're open to that accusation, right? Because you weren't functioning in a certain way. You're functioning just as a service provider, right? As a, as a cake shop. And we know what happens to cake shops. But if you're saying, no, we're a church. And so here's the standard that we have, or we're, we are a Christian organization. Here, here is our standard. And you're showing a trajectory rather than a shift because something happened and you wanted to respond in a certain way. You know, there's no way to mitigate all risk. We live in a world of risk. We should expect resistance as we're we're trying to live consistently with our Christian conviction in a world that's less than um, accepting of that. Um, but that's one way I think in the current environment we've got to be careful as as Christian leaders and people uh, involved in ministry is to make sure that people are taking those legal steps. This really is a very important thing for churches right now to be looking into ensuring that, like Alex said, that this is in your, in your bylaws, in your charter, all of that. We know even within the idea network itself in the past few months, there have been, we're not sure if they are uh, activist people who are going onto the websites or if they are maybe robots going onto the websites, but um, there is some entity going on to church websites and simply asking in the chat box, uh, you know, I'd like to come to your church. Are you affirming? And or even on their Facebook messenger uh, of the church's Facebook uh, page, asking that same question. And and the churches are coming on to the community group of, of Idea Network saying, you know, how do I respond? And a lot of um, the response from the fellow members of the community and the network, uh, we're just saying, don't respond because more than likely they're trying to ensnare you. And then some gave some alternative options of how to respond like, hey, how about, um, can we go to coffee and let's talk about this instead of actually giving a direct answer on there. Um, But there is this kind of a fear as well of if I respond and say, we are Christian evangelicals, we believe that the Bible says homosexuality is an abomination, all of that that it's going to ignite a lawsuit. And uh, it is something that churches should definitely be aware of and know what to say and what not to say in those situations. Um, 
and uh, we have some resources too that could uh, help with that as well. So a lot of this conversation is very good. We're talking about legal rights, that kind of stuff, but can it, it can be overwhelming. Um, well, luckily, I'm here to tell you that Kylie has a really exciting announcement for an opportunity for pastors and ministry leaders to engage a little bit further and be equipped on exactly what we've been talking about. So Kylie, you want to talk to us about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, really, just to preface it on this podcast, we've got just some resource recommendations for you at Idea Network. We we always love to re- recommend resources, offer physical resources when we can at all of our events. The trainers are instructed to offer 35 resources at every single session. And this podcast podcast is no different. Um, we have just some recommendations here. Laura Beth Perry, uh, she is an author of the book Transgender to Transformed. She is a former transgender man who uh, was redeemed from that lifestyle and is now uh, serving God. She transitioned back to uh, being a woman after having the surgeries and living as a man. And Transgender to Transformed is her book kind of explaining her story and her experiences. We'd love to recommend that to you as you want to learn more about this topic. Another resource is a book by Christopher Yuan. Uh, The book is called Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's to Uh, a gay son's journey to God. And this is his story of redemption, of coming out of the gay lifestyle. And he is now a Christian uh, public speaker and goes around speaking to um, all sorts of crowds and even young people about about his experience and God's redemption. Of course, uh, alluded earlier, the Heart, Mind, and Soul Seminar from ABWE ABWE is a great resource, Jim Childs right here. He is the director of the LGBTQ seminar for the Heart, Mind, and Soul seminar. Jim, give us, uh, before I go into the next resource, give us a, kind of a sneak peek of what this uh, seminar is about and what they could expect. Sure. The seminar is, uh, thank you, interactive seminar. It's hosted by local churches. It's And the purpose is to strengthen the local church in the topic, how to build grace and truth relationships with that unbelieving LGBTQ individual in their lives. We go to a church and basically it's a five-hour seminar where we delve in first into the, it's heart, mind, and soul. Heart first. What, what is what is your heart, your participant? What is your belief system? Where do you stand or where, how do you feel toward that LGBTQ individual? Then we talk about the gay communities and um, sort of ideas and what they think about us. Then we go into God's heart. Then we talk about it and what God's heart is to reach people. Then we go into the mind section, which is biblical truth and a reminder of what, yes, God did say and what that looks like. And then the soul section is very practical hands-on ideas based off of a couple of uh, examples that Jesus gave us with Zacchaeus and the woman at the well. It's um, how did he approach? And so we've come up with a four phase uh, of relationship building with those who believe differently than us. And we take the, the, the participant through that. It's interactive. There are tables of five or six, and we give them activities to process what we're learning, what they're learning. We have a team of people who teach that. Uh, we have Lois, who's a mom who brings in, uh, she's, she's a missionary. She and her husband served in Argentina for 15 years, raised their sons there. Uh, they're back in the U S serving with every ethne and they, um, one of their, their youngest son is now living in a gay identity. And she brings to the table, the heart of a mom, a Christian mom and her journey through that. 
So it takes a level from, from being just informational into very personal connections with people. It's basically evangelistic in scope, relationally, but it becomes personal to everybody there in this seminar. When we have 75 people there, we get the responses we get about a heart change that turns toward, toward more compassion and more practical ways. We deconstruct that fear that we talked about earlier in that seminar. So that's what the seminar does. And Jim, as the director of the LGBTQ Heart, Mind and Soul Seminar, uh, he's extremely experienced in uh, discussing this topic. And he is actually one of our speakers for the next resource that I have for you guys, which is a webinar that ABWE and Idea Network are partnering on together to provide to all of you. Uh, specifically on this topic of how to engage the LGBTQ community. Uh, the webinar will take place on June 7th online. It is a live webinar from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time and 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Jim Childs is uh, uh, one of our speakers, and he is speaking on practical steps to engaging the LGBTQ community uh, so he'll be giving us a lot of um, how-to, do's and don'ts, a very practical session. Um, uh, the other uh, speakers that we have are our very own Laura Beth Perry, who I mentioned or earlier, former transgender man. She is speaking on her own story and finding freedom from gender dysphoria. So firsthand experiences uh, here. The next speaker we have is Joshua Hirschberger. He's speaking on love, truth, and legal protection. So he's a lawyer and general counsel. And so he'll be uh, kind of going deeper. We, we touched on it in today's podcast, but he'll be going deeper into how the church uh, can and should protect themselves legally, what to say, what not to say, all of those kinds of things. And our last speaker is Christopher Yuan. Um, a former homosexual man redeemed from that lifestyle. He's speaking on a Christian response to homosexuality. So we have a lot of firsthand experiences that we'll be presenting. And, um, you know, th these people have gone through it and they, they know firsthand what it is like to, um, to live in that lifestyle. And they are going to share with us how we can engage uh, people who are still in that lifestyle. Hosting the event is Josh Tice, the president of Idea Network, and Julie Redmer, who is uh, the director of all of the Heart, Mind, and Soul seminars. There are other departments uh, of the seminar as well. There'll be free downloadable resources, and you can actually register today. Uh, registration is open. It's $17.99 for individuals and only $49.99 for your entire team. So say you have a staff and um, you know maybe there's 20 of you and you don't wanna pay $17.99 for every single one of them. Uh, for three people or more, it's only $49.99. We want this to, um, to get out and for as many people to be able to uh, receive this knowledge and uh, learn better how to engage this community that is so important to the church's future. And Kylie, where can we go to register for this? On the homepage of ideanetwork.church, you'll see the ad for this and a link that takes you straight to the registration. That's awesome. So sign up there if you're interested in this webinar. It's a very unique opportunity. Um, I'm excited about not only the speakers, but also the hosts and spending time with one another um, on this vital topic. Alex and Jim, thank you so much again for your time today and joining us on the Idea Talks. Um, we appreciate everything you've done. Uh, any just parting words, Jim? I just want to make sure... Um, if we can direct some of our listeners to connect further with you offline, where can we direct them to? 
direct them to my just basically you can go to jchilds at abwe.cc. Um, and I, that's my email and that's the best way to connect with me. You can also go to abwe.org slash gemchilds and they'll take me to a page that has some contact information as well. I would love to say that this, I'm so excited about the webinar and the, I know the other speakers very uh, personally. And so what they're bringing to it is, is a lot of obviously personal experience, but also ministry experience, hands-on what we're teaching. Isn't just how we were impacted, but it's hands-on that we've seen work. We've seen fruit from it. So that's the exciting piece of it. There, every one of them have done a lot of research, a lot of prayer and hands-on experience, ministry experience that we can speak into it as well. So it's just exciting. That's awesome. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, man. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for being with us for this special presentation. To get more of the Missions Podcast, go to missionspodcast.com. Remember, the Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about them, go to abwe.org. We value your support. We're thankful for the partners who've already supported us financially, and you can do so at missionspodcast.com slash support. But one of the most important ways to spread the love is by sharing the show with a friend and also leaving a positive rating and a five-star review in your podcast platform of choice. That helps other people discover this content and be blessed by it and mobilized into missions. Well, until next week, thank you for watching and listening.